Paso a Paso Podcast. Welcome to the Paso a Paso Podcast. I'm Miles, your host. Thanks for listening again. If you heard our last episode, you know that we are reflecting and re-listening to a online event uh, hosted by myself and Save the Children of New Mexico. Um, it was speaking with folks from our state government and legislators on the recent successes in early childhood, which are many. I hope that in listening to these uh, together, we learn more about how things change in our community and in our state, um, which is powerful information, and it's wonderful to relive it through those who were there. We re-enter the conversation where the last episode let off. If you haven't heard that, please check it out. Uh, here we go. Back to the conversation. And then Jim leaves. But nobody yeah. saw him. No, no camera. <laughs> Thank you. All right. For uh, Secretary Guginsky, uh, what vision does the Early Childhood Education and Care Department have for the future? And how would funds from the constitutional amendments support these efforts? Thank you. I've just kind of blown away too, uh, Miles, like you with the, the stories. So awesome and so impressive and really feel honored and privileged to, to be in this role. We actually have a vision. Our vision is that all New Mexico families and young children are thriving. That's our vision. We have a mission that sets out to do that by focusing on the health, the development, the education, and the overall well-being, optimizing all of those aspects of the child's development from the time they're prenatal all the way until they enter kindergarten, um, doing it with a community-based, really family-driven and a community-based focus. So we know that the work in New Mexico, I've heard it from the day I got here, every community is unique, every tribe, Pueblo, and nation is unique. And that means we need a system that can really honor that diversity and speak to the state in a regular basis and the state be able to have that two-way communication with our local communities. So we plan to use our some of the relief dollars that have come to start building that local community-based early childhood systems that can work in tandem with us as a state agency, as well as the children's cabinet, to make sure that we're putting these amazing programs and services, that they are high quality, that they're really focused on the cultures and the language that are such the richness of the state. And, and building that into it. So we have a great vision. We have an amazing team working in this administration across the children's cabinet has been just, I've worked in government at all different levels. I've never seen collaboration that is really true. And I can pick up the phone and call any cabinet secretary, talk to the governor's office and we're together working uh, because we know it, it's not gonna be this one department that just is amazing and we do amazing things. It's gonna be through us working with all the needs of families. I think Representative Martinez said it. I mean, these are families with economic needs, social justice needs, uh, language. Um, so we want to be in true partnership with our community-based systems of support, which are often delivered through nonprofits, but also through local governments and in deep partnership with the Children's Cabinet and all of our colleagues here. So we're really excited. The land grant is going to Give us. I think what's really exciting is the relief dollars that we have now, we can start spending in very strategic and thoughtful ways, um, not to, to spend on a lot of new things, but also to test things out and really see what our communities need. So when the land grant money is here in 2024 and, and these dollars have gone on uh, and they're no longer available, we can 
be very strategic and thoughtful about the communities that need it most, um, the way that the programs and services, uh, what supports, I think sometimes we forget like all the infrastructure we need to build across the state to make sure that the early childhood professionals serving our families um, have the support they need, are well compensated, are well credentialed. And so we're excited to use some of these dollars here to start building that infrastructure and then using the land grant to continue the work that we're gonna start here. We've already started and we're gonna start even in a deeper way in FY22, thanks to Representative Diegos and her wisdom to say, let's not wait till 23 to have the first distribution from the Early Childhood Trust Fund. Let's do 20 million in 22. Thanks to her, we are now sitting in a very positive place of helping families and children, expanding services. And so I really wanna give a big shout out to her um, as well as Representative Martinez and Representative Maestas, who's not here for their forward thinking and knowing that there's a sense of urgency here. We have to act with urgency and we have to act very in partnership with our communities. Thanks so much, Secretary Guginski. Um, yeah, I just, you know, getting to know some of you in, in this session here, and I'm just really excited for the breadth of uh, perspective that's brought to this discussion and also the collaboration that you mentioned. Um, for Chair Martinez, if you're able to um, chime in here, uh, the first thing is that it seems as though if it's possible to do a quick overview of HJR1 for some folks that are attending here in the chat. Um, but the, in addition to that, the question is, um, what more can you know folks here on this conversation live as well as advocates and volunteers throughout the state do to continue to improve the lives of young children? Um, and what are you uh, most hopeful about in your district and across New Mexico? Um, but it does seem as though the HJR1 refresh might be helpful if you're willing to do that, sir. Yeah, we did it for 10 years and uh, I, I was afraid nobody else was ever, ever going to ask me again, so I'm glad you guys asked me. Uh, so joint resolution one is a constitutional amendment proposal. Uh, it's got to pass the legislature, which it did. Now it goes to the voters for their approval. It'll be on the November 2022 ballot. Um, what the resolution calls for is an increased investment from the land grant permanent fund. Uh, the original bill had been 1% for early childhood. Um, in the sausage making process, that is the legislature, we ended up uh, with a compromise. Um, and now then correct me on the actual number percentage, but I think it's one and a quarter. Um, uh, that is the total distribution with uh, seven tenths, I believe. Percent um, and 40%. There we go. Uh, going into early childhood. So, uh, it'll, it'll result in roughly $120, $130 million per year dedicated for early childhood uh, with the remainder going into K-12 uh, for part of the Martinez-Yazi remedy structure that's in place. Uh, what's important to note, though, is because the fund continues to grow every year pretty aggressively, I might add, that funding will only increase, right? So it's about 130 if it were to happen right now, by the time this rolls out after the 22 election, it could be 150 million. And it'll increase every single year. And it'll be dedicated for early childhood services um, and programs that are administered by the state, uh, most of them uh, through the early childhood and care department. So that's the sort of summary of, of where we're at. Um, and just to give you an idea, when this movement started 10 years ago, the fund was like 11 or 12 billion dollars. That's how much it's grown in that time. 
with regard to the future, you know, I, I think this is um, all of the things that we've talked about, the, the land grant permanent fund and the early childhood care department and the trust fund. Um, th those are like step one, right? It's th this are all, this is all about funding and sort of finding the right way to execute these programs. Cause prior to this, to, to this department, you know, early childhood was across several different departments. Now, for the most part, they're concentrated within this department. It makes it easier to evaluate. It makes it easier to keep track of. It makes it easier to fund. Uh, it makes it easier for these kids and their families to be tracked, you know, across different um, in, in, intersectionalities and whatnot. Uh, I think now, though, we have to be thinking about what else do children and their families need? And look, you know, one thing that I think we really need to be talking about, um, and I know it probably sounds a little crazy, probably not to this group, but to the mainstream, it'll sound a little crazy, is this idea of a guaranteed basic income. You know, why should a mom and or a dad be forced to work a full-time job and a part-time job just to make ends meet to be able to, you know, give their kids the best life that they deserve? Well, some would argue that the best life that the kid deserves is to have the mom or the dad or both, if possible, be at home with the kid. If you guarantee a basic income, say to families with young children, right, say $500 a month, $1,000 a month, that goes a long way in helping the parent be more uh, able to fully invest their time and attention to their child right? Sounds a little crazy, sounds a little nutty, right? But I don't think it's that far off. Um, if you look at the way that, you know, to Alan's point earlier, right? How do you mitigate those, those adverse childhood experiences? How do you prevent them in many cases? Is you have that family structure, whatever that might look like for the kid, healthy, and you have relationships that are built on solid foundation, but, you know, if, if I've got to go back to work within three days of my baby being born and my wife has to, back, has to go back to work within a couple of weeks because she doesn't have that much sick leave or whatever, and I've got to take my baby infant into a, into a, into a daycare center, you know, that impacts our relationship, right? So what if you guarantee that income for families, right? Now, beyond that, you know, what if you ensure that New Mexico was a truly a family-friendly state, right? Uh, maybe we're talking about maternity, paternity leave, right? You know, uh, I, I was in Cuba a few years ago kind of trying to study their public health system. Uh, there's a year's worth of maternity or paternity leave. You pick who's going to stay home with the kid for an entire year and it's paid for. Sounds crazy, but why the hell not? If we truly value children the way we say we do, that's not a bad policy idea to, to start to consider. Would it be expensive? Absolutely. You bet you. Who's going to pay for it? I have no idea. Right. But those are the things that I think we need to start thinking about because truly uh, our kids deserve that and more. Wow. Well, thank you so much. And just hearing you speak and building upon all these other things that are shared, it feels as though our state may be positioned to, you know, be even uh, seen as a greater leader in the nation for uh, advancing these ideas and making them happen, which is very exciting. And thanks to everybody and all of your leadership in uh, bringing us this close and, and activating these things now. Um, our next question for Mr. Sanchez, Alan, where do you go from here in terms of sending a constitutional amendment to the voters, as I understand, it's uh, coming on the ballot November 22. Uh, is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. November 22 will be on the ballot. 
So that work is done. Um, there's already talk about, you know, how we're going to put a campaign together. There'll be uh, a number of uh, issues that have to be resolved first. There's going to be a campaign manager and, and who they're going to be responsible to. Investing Kids Now, the coalition that supported the constitutional amendment, uh, it, it, its intention is to continue. And nonprofits do have a role they can play in a ballot initiative. Uh, we have a, um, a constitutional attorney who, who advises us how far you can go. And we know how far, we know exactly the line, how far you can go and participate where it's not political, but policy. So in the policy process, we feel obligated to actually participate. So these, these nonprofits in this coalition are going to build a campaign and invite people uh, and do this educating. But we know a lot of the education has been done. Now we got to preserve that and increase that education. And in this piece, uh, you know, for I don't think there'll be a lot of opposition. There'll be some. But I think when we're able to show that the unmet need, the unmet need is approximately 400 million. So even with the constitutional amendment, we're going to get a little over a fourth, maybe to a third of the unmet need. So there's, you can't say you're throwing money at something or there's a waste. So now it's to get the voters to the ballot and to vote for it and to understand uh, what they're doing in that vote. Uh, they, they, it's, it's their land, it's their money, and they have a right. You know, I asked one legislator one time, why wouldn't you let the people vote for it? You know, and the response was as, well, we're elected to be the responsible ones. Yeah, but the public, if they're wise enough to elect you, they're wise enough to make this decision. And that's what's ahead of us. Now we celebrate today because we have a department and we have a, a new trust that's growing that 320 million. And we have the potential of having the constitutional amendment passed. Okay. But yet today there's still a lot of suffering happening in New Mexico with our children. And so it's, it's hard to put on too much joy when we know uh, there's immediate work and it can't come soon enough. It can't come soon enough. And this is where we're going to have to help the public understand. And I invite all of you how you can participate in this. That before the pandemic, there was this epidemic, and it still continues, of toxic stress, which is really affecting our children. Children in poverty today is not the same experience of 50 years ago because of the meaningful adult relationships that mitigate toxic stress. Uh, I heard one person sharing in some research that it may have been up to 10 meaningful adult relationships a child had 50 years ago. But today it could be from one to one and a half. That, that, that's why the child is receiving the stress from the parent, the poverty, uh, the, the things that happen to us. And I, uh, to close, I'll share with you. It's just our children are beautiful. They're like these little pots. You've seen New Mexico full of our, our beautiful Native American potters. They make this pot. And that wet clay is like the brain of the baby, that wet clay. And the synapses growing from third trimester to two years old, approximately 9,000 synapses per second. But every time there's a shot of adrenaline to the brain, the synapses growth pauses. And that's like putting a hole in that wet clay. And then we want to take that and fill it with the biggest investment our state makes is K through 12. And we want to pour it in there. We don't know why it can't hold it because of the ACEs that our children are experiencing. So we need to act as if there is an emergency because there is, and, and, and uh, they're counting on us. All the little ones, they're, they're counting on us and their parents are, are counting on us. And why would we not do this? When you think of a trust, it has 22 billion. 
and it's expected to double, to double by 2040. Yet our population is not going to double in that time. We, we're supposed to have a plane of, of no increase in population. Why would we have to send the future a fund that's twice the size? And to put it into perspective, if you earn $45,000 a year, it would take you to earn a billion. If you want to earn a billion dollars and you earn 45000 a year, it would take you 20, uh, 22,222 years. Do the math. Make sure I got it right. 2,000, not 20, 2,222 years. 2,222 years to make a billion dollars. And we're sitting on 22 billion of them. Did mm. you see the scale? We can't be at the bottom of all the outcomes and at the top of the second largest wealth fund in the nation. And it's the 33rd largest wealth fund in the world. But guess what? We don't have to go back to the legislature. It's done. It's on the ballot. Now let's take ownership in that. Every one of us. I want to invite you today, everyone that's here, you got to take ownership in saying, we have to get this done. We can't accept the status quo. It's not over yet. There it is. Thank you to Lacey and Save the Children of New Mexico. Until next time. <laughs>